Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's begin. Round one. Guys, in a couple of months, women in about half of the U.S. will be breaking the law if they end a pregnancy. This is because of uh, three presidents, one of whom opposed the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and the other two were rejected by the majority of American voters. And yet, and yet, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito is writing about abortion in this document uh, called the Constitution, which was done by 55 men back in 1787. Women had no say in this document. Women have no say in what's about to happen to them. And my opinion as a man on the matter of abortion is that men's opinions on abortion don't matter. But they've done it. They have caught the car, and now we get to try to make sense of what's going to happen next. And I'm sorry, forgive me if this is inappropriate. I'm not despairing, quite the opposite. I am overwhelmed with inspiration from what we have already seen out there. This is bringing out the best in a lot of Americans, and it's bringing out the worst in a lot of shitty people who don't much care about what's actually in the Bible. I get this a lot. People tell me all day, abortion does not appear in the Constitution, nowhere. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're true. Yeah, but you know what? Childbirth doesn't appear in the Constitution either. So maybe we should just play it safe and, and ban that. Hmm? This is the other one I get. These right-wing people saying, oh, this is unforgivable that someone would leak this. this is, it's inexcusable that someone would do this to the court. It, it, it affects the dignity of the court. I'm like, yeah, boy, those poor right-wing justices. They didn't want to have their ruling revealed, and someone went and did it. it, it it's, it's almost like they had no, oh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the a choice? That's it. The justices didn't have a choice. They didn't get to decide what happened, why their autonomy and their privacy were completely stripped away, and they had no say in it. It's getting crazy out there, folks, and they want you to think you're crazy, and it's not going to work that way. The best of America is fighting back over this, because in a few short weeks, when this is announced, in so many states, immediately, abortion will become illegal. Okay, Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, South Dakota, North Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, Texas, Oklahoma, and Wyoming. They've all passed trigger laws. Trigger what? Trigger please. Trigger laws, which means as soon as Roe is overturned, within the hour, a law is triggered, and women's reproductive rights go away in those states. Um, There'll be a codified right to abortion. In some states, Vermont, New York, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Connecticut, Maryland, Delaware, Washington, D.C., Illinois, New Mexico, Colorado, Nevada, California, Oregon, Washington, and Hawaii. Welcome to civilization. Those are the states where you'll be seeing a lot of traffic flow in. And of course, let's not forget, because these racists don't really mean it when they say states' rights. States like Idaho and Missouri are going to have laws that will allow any Yahoo to sue any woman who crosses state lines to terminate a pregnancy. These states are going to allow yahoos to sue anyone who drives a woman across state lines or drives a woman to the airport so she can catch a flight to one of these states that's not a background character from The Handmaid's Tale. It's getting scary out there, and what can we do about it? Well, we can vote. 
we can elect more Democrats. And I know you're sick of this, right? We elected these Democrats. They didn't stop it from happening. I know. Because two Democrats in the Senate, it turns out, are as easy to buy as 50 Republicans in the Senate. And that's why, if you have a better idea, let me know. We have to elect more. We need more Democrats because we need to protect women's rights even more. And you know what? We need more Democrats because we got to kill the filibuster. Because if we can do that, then we can have a law passed in the Senate that will enshrine women's reproductive rights for the nation. We have to have it. And if we can't do that, then Joe Biden's got to do what FDR did. Not pack the court with more justices, but threaten to pack the court with more justices. Because when FDR did this, he did it because the Supreme Court at the time was striking down all of his progress in the New Deal. So he just said, okay, fine, I'm going to add a lot of new justices, and you all retire at age 70. Or rather, he, his thing was like every judge, when they turned 70, they would all be pulled together to count for one vote. It was brutal. But it scared them, and one of them backed down. And we were able to get out of the Great Depression because of the New Deal policies, because FDR threatened to add more justices. And that's what Joe Biden's got to do. And look, I don't know what Joe Biden's going to do here. I don't know what his play is. Today, he called MAGA followers the most extreme political organization that's existed in American history. Um, In remarks at the White House this morning, he again called out the draft Supreme Court opinion that would destroy Roe v. Wade. And he talked about where its implications would logically stop. Here's the president when they asked him about this potential ruling. Um, And he pretty much came out and attacked the MAGA agenda of political mercenaries like Lord Voldemort, now known as Florida Senator Rick Scott. As I said, when I uh, um, when this hit as I was getting on the plane to go down to Alabama, um, this is about a lot more than abortion. I hadn't read the whole opinion at that time. But this reminds me of the debate with Robert Bork. Bork believed the only reason you had any inherent rights was because the government gave them to you. If you go back and look at the opening comments of the Bork-Biden when I was questioning him as chairman, I said, I believe I have the rights that I have, not because the government gave them to me, which you believe, but because I'm just a child of God. I exist. I delegated by joining this union here to delegate some obligation, some rights I have to the governments for, for social good. So the idea that somehow there is an inherent right, that there is no right of privacy, that there is no right. And remember the debate we had, you don't remember, but we had a debate about uh, Griswold versus Connecticut. There had been a law saying a married couple could not purchase birth control in the privacy of their own bedroom and use it. Well, that got struck down. Griswold was thought to be a bad decision by Bork, and my guess is the guy's on the Supreme Court now. What happens if you have a state changes the law saying that, that, that children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Is that, is that legit under the way the, the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this mega crowd is really the most extreme political ex- organization that's existed in American history, in recent American history. And he's right. You know, if it didn't sound passionate enough to you, then remember that what the key point of that speech you just heard was. This is about a lot more than abortion. The next things that are going to be attacked is what he was focusing on right now, because this is a big shift in Joe Biden's messaging. We haven't heard him talk this way when he tries to define the Republicans as being extreme. You know Joe Biden. He's trying to be pals with these guys all the time. Now he's going after the Rick Scott agenda, which every Democrat needs to talk about. Notice he didn't say the word Trump at all. He did say my predecessor. He said this MAGA crowd. But this is Biden and his squad getting ready to ramp up their attacks against Republicans ahead of the midterms. And we all have to play a part in this. Here's the deal. They're not exaggerating. When they talk about the fact that birth control could go, that interracial marriage could go, that gay marriage could go, it it might sound crazy, but you've got to read this thing. Alito says that only the rights that are, in his words, deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition deserve protection. 
that's what the Bible calls pretty fucking random. Okay, he's saying there's no freedom from state power that that conservatives can't take away if conservatives find that freedom not to their liking. Heterosexual married couples, well, if we don't like you using birth control, guess what? Birth control is not deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition. Gay marriage, you thought you were free from discrimination. No way. I mean, think about all the rights that we take for granted that could be done away with this casual, casual dismissal that Alito's had there. And, and, you know, here's the thing, right? Like, these are the conservatives who have railed my entire life against unelected judges, activist judges, making rulings that they claim is going to keep voters from deciding for themselves. We don't need these activist judges making the rules. What's an activist, Daddy? Well, an activist is a judge who does anything Daddy doesn't like. Now Democrats are making the same complaint. Now Democrats are going to be using this talking point against the Republican Party from now until November. Why? Well, because they're really doing it, and it's really scary. Today at the White House, they asked Jen Psaki if uh, Joe Biden's going to accept the Supreme Court ruling if it does come forward and the gates Roe v. Wade, because reporters are doing their best to take this drama and turn it into a nuclear meltdown. What I can tell you will happen is, and this is what we are preparing for the possibility of, that if Roe were to fall, abortion would probably be illegal in about half the states uh, in the country, up to 26 states, uh, particularly in the South, the Midwest and West, um, who have all spoken out, many leaders, about how they're poised to restrict or ban access. Some have even taken action, even as recently as yesterday, as crazy as that sounds. And depending on the court's uh, position, a decision, uh, 13 states even have trigger laws. Uh, trigger laws mean they would basically immediately put in place bans. And as a result of all of this, tens of millions of women may lack access to reproductive health care services as soon as this summer, if that were a decision to be made. I'd also note, and as we're thinking about and working with not just the Gender Policy Council, but also the Department of Health and Human Services, also members on the Hill, also the Council's office, what we're really focused on is the impact uh, this would have. It would dramatically reduce access to reproductive care, particularly for women uh, with low incomes, women of color, women in rural communities. We know that 75% of those seeking abortions are living at or below 200% of the poverty level. Right. And the majority of patients seeking abortions identify as black, Hispanic, and AAPI. So if you look at um, the uh, 26 states, let's take, for example, or the 13 to 26, depending, and you look at a map, that means that women, the majority of whom are below that poverty level and are uh, black, Hispanic, or AAPI, are going to be forced to figure out how to travel, how to take time off of work, how to get childcare. It is a prohibitive cost. It will not be safe. Uh, and that is what we are focused on working to address as we're making policy decisions and considerations. It sounds like you're saying then that's a yes, he would consider this a legitimate decision. Well, there is not even a decision yet. We don't know the validity of the, we know that this is a leaked document. It is not the final opinion. So I just can't speak to that hypothetically at this point in time. And it's all because they're talking about being originalists, original intent constitutionalists, you know, back at the origins of the Constitution. That's what Alito talks about. That's what the conservatives of the Federalist Society, that's what National Review talks about. Originalists, when the Constitution was first written, back in the Constitutional Convention, when women couldn't run for office, when women were not delegates at the Constitutional Convention, when no women signed off on it, when women were not allowed to vote, when women weren't people. When they say we the people in the preamble, it's sort of like the Bible. They're not talking about women. They're talking about men. That's how the Bible is. When it says Jesus spoke to 400 people, well, what the men who wrote the Bible meant was Jesus talked to 400 men. They don't count the women. Joe Manchin was the only Democrat who voted for Brett Kavanaugh back in 2018. He said that he believed Kavanaugh was telling the truth, that Roe was settled law. They talked to him today. He said, we are going back through all the things we have. We have had meetings with him to find out what he said and how it was actually presented to us. Guys, keep the pressure on the Joe Mansions and the Kirsten Cinemas. They have gone for a long time saying that they support women's reproductive freedoms. Well, now, guess what? The only way to save them might be gutting that precious filibuster that big oil and big insurance companies have paid you lots of money to protect. 
this is going to put corporate America in a very interesting pocket, won't it? I mean, think about what we just saw with Disney, that Ron DeSantis is essentially trying to punish Disney for the crime of corporate free speech. Again, they don't care about free speech and they don't care about business. They don't care about capitalism. They care about you getting in line. And Disney, I think, was a wake-up call for a lot of big companies. And as I've said many times, think about Wall Street. What, what, the GOP is this tent of these three core groups, right? The, the fundamentalist Christians who worship Jesus because they don't want to follow what he taught. Racists. And Wall Street guys. Wall Street guys... They don't want to see abortion become illegal, and a lot of these conservative politicians don't either. For God's sake, these men have mistresses. They don't want to see this terminated. It's just like Wall Street guys don't care about illegal immigration. Not at all. Wall Street guys depend on illegal immigration. We have to have marginalized workers pay doing backbreaking work for no labor, for no wages. That's what props up our economy. No. Wall Street hires politicians who talk about this stuff to get white people to vote for them. And then the politicians, once they scare with the white people, talk about abortion, we'll ban that, and talk about illegals, we'll, we'll protect you from them. This is the whole Tucker playbook. Once they say these things and the white people vote for the politicians, the politicians serve the Wall Street guys, and they cut their taxes, they cut their regulations, they let them pollute anywhere they want. Companies are now in a really interesting place between a much more young and educated workforce and an older, more racist Republican Party in many of these states where these companies do business. And I think a lot of companies you'll find are going to listen to their young employees, especially tech. This is not going to go over well with young professionals. Businesses have values, yes, but businesses are in the capitalism industry. And they're going to be like, wait a second, who's going to want to open up their business in a state where a woman goes to jail for having an abortion. Hmm? Remember the trans bans and the boycotts we saw? Bruce Springsteen and Ringo Starr both refused to go do shows in North Carolina because of it. This is bad for business. This is the problem. This is the unholy alliance of the Republican Party. And it's coming back to bite them. Uh, let's, before we go to your calls, let's close with um, a man who makes me embarrassed to be a stupid racist of child of privilege uh steve ducey this is steve ducey getting on jen Psaki's last nerve about the leak does the white house condemn explicitly condemn this leak and or has seeing this draft been seen as welcome by some here I don't think we have a particular view on that other than to say that uh, we certainly note uh, the unprecedented nature of it. What we are mindful of, and I spoke with the president about exactly this question yesterday, and obviously it's up to the Department of Justice to determine what, if any, action they will take. And I know, obviously, there have been calls for that from some Republicans, but also members of the Supreme Court. But our focus is on not losing sight from what the content is in the draft um, and what is at risk here. And well, uh, we have heard a number um, raise concerns about the leak. Um, our focus is on highlighting um, what uh, what what the content in there uh, would risk put put at risk for women across the country. Okay, one final thing. Uh, one of our listeners uh, wrote me on Twitter uh, with a very interesting question about this matter regarding the Bible. Uh, he goes, hey, correct me if I'm wrong. Old Testament, God gives recipe for abortion, bitter water, and encourages ripping babies from the wombs of women of your enemy. Babies don't get a soul until first breath. New Testament, Christ on abortion, crickets. Mostly right. Uh, ripping babies from the womb, that's Jose, chapter 13, verse 16. That only applies to uh, the Sumerians which uh, made Jesus's Good Samaritan parable much more powerful. Jesus deliberately chose a hated ethnic foreign minority to be the good guy in that story. And then Bitter Water, uh, Numbers chapter 5, yes, that's where God gives a rather gruesome recipe uh, for abortion for pregnant wives who are pregnant by men who aren't their husbands. Um, so yeah, that's that's only for women who are pregnated by men who aren't their husbands. And Republicans, you might not like to hear that, but you will appreciate in that passage, uh, the woman doesn't have a choice. As always, ha ha ha, Jesus never said a thing about abortion. Jesus opposed the death penalty. Something else, Republicans and Jesus differ on. Mm -hmm. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I've been so looking forward to welcoming our next guest to the show. You know, I don't like this genre, self-help. I think it's uh, it's it's kind of a, a dirty word, and it conjures up a lot of negative connotations of fake gurus. Um, but our next guest is actually a cognitive psychologist who uh, spent more than 40 years helping clients shift the focus of their attention to achieve goals and feel better about themselves. Now, as a big fan of, uh, of therapy, and my brother's a, a psychotherapist, um, I really admire the kind of doctors that aren't there to listen to you talk about your problems so you'll come back and keep paying them, but doctors who actually offer solutions and offer you a way to maintain sanity. And let's be honest, right now, with the Ukraine war going on, with inflation, with the news of the Supreme Court, with new COVID variants, uh, after two years of lockdown, it's a very scary time. I turned on the news the other day and the anchor said, good evening, you don't want to know. So uh, again, negative news can impact your health. And let's not forget, part of gaslighting is people losing hope. So I was so pleased to uh, get a copy of Dr. John Tolan's book, Focus Positivity, The Path to Success and Peace of Mind, because it is a book that's all about how we give too much attention, you ready, to dysfunctional thoughts, how we can dwell on the thoughts that cause distress without ever getting around to motivating real constructive action. I'm very fond of saying depression is a disease, negativity is a habit, and the book Focus Positivity was a real eye-opener for me. Uh, I really do believe it is the kind of book I'm going to give as a gift. Dr. John Tolan, welcome. Great to have you. Thank you very much. Glad thank to be you. here. Oh, thank you so much. Um, th there's so much to unpack in your book. And again, I'm very skeptical of books like this when they come across my desk. Uh, there's lots of really, you know, feel-good books that don't actually get someone anywhere. Um, this is not a book about hand-holding. This is a book about giving people the tools to recognize the own patterns we repeat in our mind that keep us from being happy and keep us from being focused and keep us from, I guess doing the things we feel we're put on this earth to do. What was it, sir, after your long and successful practice that motivated you to put all this into, into one book? Well, I felt like I had an understanding of the basic elements uh, of mood and, and uh, um, motivation change. And I, I tried to put those into a, a system that would allow, a strategy that would allow people to use them to their benefit. Um, it's, it's really pretty much that simple. It, I, you, you know, you hear a lot of other people talking about uh, different ways to achieve change, but the only the only change system that has been proven to be effective is cognitive behavioral therapy. Yes. And what I tried to do was to boil a system down to the basics of cognitive behavior therapy, and and those. Cognitive behavior therapy is all about changing where we focus our attention. Uh, that, that's what every, every, in fact, every treatment that helps a person changes the focus of their attention, whether it's Correct. psychotherapy, uh, psychoanalysis, or, you know, primal scream, whatever it is, it doesn't change anything unless it changes the thought that you focus your attention on. Uh, well, I mean, that thought might change from, oh, I was, I caused my parents to hate each other to, oh, maybe it was their responsibility, not mine. Yeah. Uh, you know, it might be a, sim a simple thought like that, but it, it, has to be a, it has to be a change in the thought you're focusing on 
before your mood and your motivation change. Because uh, that's what, even though it seems like our emotions and our motivations are the result of the things that happen to us, they're really the result of our self-talk. The, that that monologue, the internal monologue that streams endlessly through our consciousness. Correct. And that's made up of our thoughts, our automatic thoughts. And we don't have control, even though it seems like we have control over things. We don't have any control over our automatic thoughts. It's a result of our biology and our early experience. And when that interplay has left, left us uh, either cynical about life or excessively self-critical, our thoughts tend to be dysfunctional. We, exactly. we and, and that destroys our peace of mind and prevents us from uh, inhibits us from taking constructive action. I, I love it. I mean, you talk a lot about dysfunctional thinking and the toll it takes on the human psyche and how it can be a habit. It can be a loop in our heads and we don't even realize we're doing it. It's just we, we you know, mistake perception for reality. Would you explain what is it that separates dysfunctional thinking from functional thinking? Well, dysfunctional thoughts, any, any thought that causes us to experience distress and doesn't inspire some constructive action is dysfunctional. It has, it has no purpose. Uh, so what we, and, and those, that kind of thought, uh, it can damage us, even though the dysfunctional thoughts are almost always incomplete, unreasonable, or completely wrong. And there are always other perspectives, other ways of looking at things that are going to be more reassuring, more motivating, more hopeful. And we are, what can help us is to recognize those thoughts when they occur and then to look for the more functional alternative that we can shift our focus uh, to and then uh, cause ourselves to feel better and to be motivated to take some kind of action. Yes. I mean, some people sit, call this being mindful of our thoughts. Um, in recovery, they call it stinking thinking, but it's actually just recognizing the patterns and say, oh, I'm doing this again, not mindfully. I'm just, this is my comfort zone. And for many people, intense discomfort is our comfort zone. Um, you, you talk a lot about, and I know your book has been compared to Norman Vincent Peale and the, and the power of positive thinking, but you talk about the ability to shift the focus of our attention and how that's a superpower. And I'd love you to unpack that a bit. Well, it's the closest thing we have to a superpower because it's the only way that we can really change anything going on within ourselves is to shift our focus from the thought that, from one thought to another thought. That's the only way that we get anywhere in, that's going positive, going forward. Everything else is going backward. Uh, so that's our the closest thing we have to a superpower. Um, you talk a lot about self-talk in the book. I want to ask you about like the words that spontaneously spring into our minds to describe ourselves. Why is it for some of us, it's so often negative? I mean, we all have a different origin story, but we all, but many of us, I should say, despite how different our backgrounds are, our families, our ethnicities, our political ideologies, some of us gets trapped in this same negative feedback loop mentally. Well, there are way more dysfunctional families than there are functional ones. Uh, family. You know, it was Tolstoy that said, there's one way that a family can go well and a million ways that it can go wrong. And that, yeah. and what happens is that things creep in to families, you know, that whatever happened in the past creeps in and causes people to behave in ways that are unconstructive, that, that cause damage to each other in, in families. And uh, so all of the, whatever bad experience anybody has ever had somehow gets focuses down into the family, and it causes injury, psychological injury to us. Uh, we're, we're all, to some extent, damaged. Some people are way more fortunate than others. You know, we, we don't have any control over, you know, what our family history is, where we were born, what the biology is we were born with. Uh, we don't even have any control over, you know, really who our parents are and how they're going to relate to us. Of course. Uh, but we, so, so the only way we can take control is to look at the way that all those experiences and all the everything that's been out of control, our control uh, has led to thoughts that are unproductive for us, dysfunctional thoughts, and look for alternatives that we can start making the focus of our attention to try to lead us somewhere positive. And so when you when you talk about focused positivity strategy, 
that's not just about being a cheerleader for yourself and giving yourself positive affirmations to repeat over and over again. I mean, this I is know about... that ideas have to be reasonable. They have to be believable. They have to be uh, they have to make sense. We're not you know, we, we, we don't accept things that aren't realistic. If we hear an idea, and we go, that, can't, that, that doesn't sound right. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to buy that. It has to be something that you can believe that, that, that uh, before anybody will actually benefit from it. So it's about finding balanced and reasonable ideas that are likely to reassure, inspire hope, or motivate self-assertion. You know, Hemingway famously said, um, happiness among intelligent people is the rarest thing I know. And so many smart people don't really believe that they're being hard on themselves. They're being overly self-critical. They think, oh, I'm just not bullshitting myself. I just know how it is. I'm not going to tell myself any fairy tales. I mean, you, you talk about in the book the need to learn to manage self-criticism and to uh, enhance what you call self-assertion. Can you explain why um, you refer to both personal strength and weakness as illusions? Well, it's because... Almost all of us think that we have weaknesses uh, that prevent us from being able to fulfill our dreams. Uh, you know, one thing we know is that uh, many people believe they have no willpower. Right. Uh, and But what the research shows is that people can learn to display willpower. You can, it's, you can find a strategy that will, will help you to display what other people will think of as willpower. I, I, I actually have experienced this myself because I'm, a, I'm an avid cyclist. I, I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, so I, I exercise a lot and my friends seem to think that I have incredible willpower because I do this. And I know that I don't. <laughs> I know that I do this because I'm compensating for the fact that I have a grossly deformed left foot I was overweight as a child, uh, and and it makes me. Feel, I've gotten into this, and it makes me feel great. You know, I've, I've I'm 74 years old. I wake up in the morning, and I feel 74 years old. Right. I go out and I do my bicycle ride, and I feel 50 for the rest of the day. <laughs> it but, makes but, a huge difference. But what was the path that got you there? Because you didn't just wake up one day and realize, oh, hey, I can take up this activity and this will get no. me out of my malaise and change my mental orbits uh, and, and no. give me some kind yeah. of new stimulation. What was your journey to find the thing that worked for you? Because there's so many people, and you know this, especially after a pandemic, of good people, smart people, compassionate people who don't understand why they feel so negative. Yeah. Well, all negative feelings are based on negative thoughts. and. Yeah. It, that's the place to start looking. That's why the first step in, in focus pos positivity strategy is mindfulness of your thoughts, okay. reporting what your thoughts are, taking, examining them for dysfunctional thoughts, looking for the thoughts that are causing your, your distress. And then you can go from there to try to find something, um, an alternative that's reasonable, balanced, believable, uh, and that's more likely to reassure and inspire you. Um, now, now, that's what. And and mindfulness, uh, as you know, is a word that's had a, a bit of abuse over the last few years. It's a book. It's a word that's been really, really used uh, excessively. And so, I want to break this down because I I love the way that you're talking about it because it's a, it sounds great, but we often wonder, well, how can I access mindfulness? What what is that? And you actually have some very very simple tips on how to just begin changing these habits. One of which is one of the hardest things to do. And I try to do it all the time. Start the day by making a list of things to be grateful for. I mean, you call it a gratitude list, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that has been found by research to be more effective at changing mood for the entire day than any other single step we can take. Re reviewing for taking five minutes to review a list of reasons that you're grateful boosts your mood better than anything else you can do. And And... No matter how minute, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be huge. It can just be, I like the sound of the wind in the trees right now. Yeah, it can be uh, so glad that I was born in a free country. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that I'm not living in a war-torn area, that, uh, you know, that I have uh, the intelligence to, you know, listen to this program and uh, enjoy a TV show. 
you know, it can be any any little thing. Well, if, it can in fairness, be, sir, a lot of a lot of my listeners are miserable because they listen to this show, and I feel very bad about it. So that's why I'm asking you for tips because I have a lot of guilt over it. But but you also say it's not enough to write it down in the morning, but to keep the list nearby and refer to it throughout the day or the day. when you wake up at night. Yes, that that that's the first. The end, what I've done in the book is at the end of each chapter, I put a, a series of pretty simple steps. I mean. You can't make changes without doing some work, uh, but yeah. the work doesn't have to be onerous. It's you know it's just a matter of writing down a few thoughts and reviewing them, uh, maybe five minutes a day, or when you're upset, when you get upset, you review these again. Doctor, how much in your in your expertise does um, excessive doom scrolling or spending too much time checking the phone play into people's feelings of negativity and and prevent? Well, they're, they're just exposing themselves more and more to dysfunctional thoughts. You know that that that's what that's all that is is looking at more thoughts that are going to cause you to be distressed without because you know almost none of the things you're going to see uh, on the internet or news right is is anything you have control over right you know I mean we have such little control over anything outside of our little personal life you know what I mean uh, that everything else that comes in is just designed to make us feel helpless. So the more we focus on things that we have no control over, the more helpless we're going to feel. Now, of course, a lot of people, you know, want to be aware of what's going on in the world. And, and I would argue it is virtuous to be compassionate and informed about what's going on in the world. But you would you advise people to, if you feel that you get overwhelmed and take all this stuff too much to heart, to just pick one news source you trust, right? Just, just yes. instead of just having, you know, getting every feed of every news, because we know it's all about the clicks. Journalists tell the stories. Media needs the clicks. And so it's going to be horror, 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 strife, strife, celebrity breakup, what have you. You advise just picking one news source for your whole day. Exactly. And spend limiting the amount of time that you're exposed to it. You know, one of the problems we have is that our attention is automatically drawn to whatever frightens us or angers us most. That's right. that's an evolutionary trait. You know, that, that helped our ancestors hundreds of thousands of years ago to survive. <laughs> but it's not making us comfortable now. It's making us very uncomfortable these days. Uh, because if, everything, if, if you're constantly just looking at everything that frightens you or angers you, you're going to be frightened and angered a lot. And it is important to remind everyone that, you know, depression is a disease. Uh, uh, and negati I, negativity is not the same as depression, right? Right, right. No, there, there are a lot, a lot of people who have... Uh, a, a depression that's really taken a biological hold on them. And so, you know, just a, probably a self-help book isn't going to help be, uh, be of help. It can help as an adjunct to treatment, but it's probably going to, you know, require more than that to take care of a, a, a serious depression. I want to quote from your chapter on, on healthy relaxation. I really do dig what you're doing here. Um, you have a section on quieting the left hemisphere, and you say ang anxiety and anger are primarily products of the left hemisphere, the area of our brain responsible for language organization and ac acquisitiveness. When the left brain interprets an event or circumstance as threatening, cortisol, the stress hormone, is released into our bloodstream. This causes us to temporarily become emotionally aroused and ready for fight or flight. Now, obviously, that's one of the reasons we've evolved as a species is to have that urge. But you're talking about how we can be aware of it and really be able to manage our responses. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's that fight or flight response is responsible for all of our distress, you know, for our for our, that it, it's it was designed to help us save ourselves. But now it just makes us get upset. Right. When, and most of the time, there's nothing we can do it to, to relieve the situation. Uh, so, but, so we're just constantly getting upset without having any course of action that's going to make us safe. Can I ask a dumb question? What is the difference between stress and anxiety? Well, stress is, stress is the external world. It's, it's what we're seeing and, and what's, what's coming into us. Anxiety is what happens inside us, inside, nice. inside our ah, bodies. Brilliant. Yeah, so so we, we see something, we interpret it as stressful, you know, as, as, as dangerous, or, and that triggers this, this response, and we experience anxiety inside. Uh, yeah, so stress, so stress management can be two things. It can be trying to change what's out there, you know, quitting that job, 
stopping that relationship with that alcoholic person. I mean, you can change things make to make your life less stressful, but but stress management also usually means getting better control over your internal anxiety level, learning how to breathe regularly and slowly and deeply to calm yourself down, learning how to, uh, you know, visualize, uh, you know, nice, nice places, things, images that will make you feel more comfortable. I, I have to say that's I think what I was most impressed by with your book, Focus Positivity. It, as someone who's given a lot of money to a lot of therapists over the years, I've had therapists buy boats because of me. Uh, it really is like having the wisest, most compassionate therapist you ever had just kind of like give you their journal with all their tips. And it, it really does truly help the reader spot these patterns. I, I want to ask you one more question, doctor, then I'll let you have your night back. But let's say the, that we get better at spotting our self-critical thoughts, our pessimistic thoughts, our negative thoughts, and we recognize the pattern. What do we do to respond to that? I mean, just being mindful of it is only step one, right? Right. First, we have to. First, you have. You can't. You can't do anything if you're not aware of the problem. You have to. You have to be able to spot the problem. Okay, I'm having this thought. Here's a thought that's upsetting me, and then you have to start. Yeah, you want to then once you've once you've identified that thought, you want to try to get rid of it, <laughs> because the the more times you review a negative thought, the more it's going to upset you. So you want to recognize the dysfunctional thought, and you want to try to start collecting alternatives right away. You want to look, and that's why I list in the book a whole lot of ideas, thought, different kinds of thoughts that can be used as a guide for developing your own more functional thoughts. Uh, but we want to look for something that's going to make Whatever has happened, less upsetting, uh, less less permanent. Uh, you know, so a lot a lot of just a, a simple thought like, well, this will pass. That yeah. that's that can help us in many many situations. Yeah. This will pass. It's not going to last forever. It's going to, you know, when your when your your child is upsetting you, uh, this will pass. You know, because that's children true. change, they grow up. <laughs> well, I mean, we know that happiness is transient, so it's only logical that, you know, stress and strife and pain and sadness are fleeting moments as well. Yeah, no, nothing's permanent. Everything keeps keeps evolving and changing all the time. And what we can do is we can try to nudge it in the direction we want it to go. And yeah, I mean, we can't, con we can't control the circumstances that will befall us. We can only control how we respond to them. So l let me ask one more question, because, you know, a, a, a lot of folks here are very involved in politics and uh, and very involved in following the political time. And God knows how stressful it is. It always is stressful. It keeps getting more and more painful and scary. And one of the points you really hammer home is that in spite of all of it, try to avoid judging others. Do you find that it's kind of an extra challenge in these times to to seek compassion for people that we are socialized to perceive as opponents? You know, it is hard. I, I can't deny it at all. It's very hard when, when you think that something is wrong to to not, uh, you know, pass judgment on people that believe that uh, or or support that. Uh, but really, there are there are functional thoughts you can have about things like that. Uh, for example, and I list some of those in the book. Well, one of the things I try to do is I I have a, a brother-in-law who's on the opposite side of the political spectrum. I just, Don't we all? <laughs> so, uh, you know, well, maybe he's happy then, you know, I mean, at least, at least he's happy. And, and also, you know, sometimes the, the, the political party that we are opposed to, sometimes they actually do things that are to our benefit, whether we believe it sure. or realize it or not. You know, some, oh yeah. Sometimes they actually I mean, we may think it's wrong, but it actually ends up being to our benefit. Oh, I think a lot know. of folks are realizing that this week, sir. I think a lot of folks are realizing that this week. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. About, you know, if a person is uh, is opposed to, uh, is for abortion rights, then they may look at this change as, as if the Supreme Court rules uh, against Roe, then they may say, oh, that's that's horrible. Well, but another person, you might also say, well, maybe that's great because maybe that'll motivate a lot of people to come out and, and vote exactly. their, their feelings. You know, who knows what's for the best? We never know. The thing that you think is going to be horrible might turn out to be for the best. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, and hate makes you stupid. 
Uh, that's <laughs> that's certainly mm-hmm. true. Uh, Doctor, I want to thank you very much for joining us. I really, really enjoyed your book. I, I Like I said, I've read a lot of books like this. This is so keen and so empathetic, and I, I highly recommend it. Again, the book is called Focused Positivity, The Path to Success and Peace of Mind by Dr. John F. Tolan. That's T-H-O-L-E-N. Doctor, what's the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work? Uh, At the uh, website, focuspositivity.net. Brilliant. Really a pleasure. Thanks for staying up late. I really enjoyed your book. Have a great one. Thanks a lot, John. Let's go to the phone. Some of y'all been waiting a very, very long time. Stephen in Denver, thanks for your patience. Uh, hey, yes, John. How are you doing Hi. tonight? Great. How are you? Uh, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm managing. So, okay. Oh boy, this, uh, this, this whole situation. Look, I, look, I, where I'm coming from, I, I, and I heard your rants when you started off the show and, yes, sir. you know, again, um, so square the circle for me, John, please, this case, this potential ruling, which was held before six men and three women in robes, potentially will overturn a ruling that was imposed upon the nation 50 years ago, heard by a Supreme Court that had nine men and zero women in mm-hmm. robes, mm-hmm. which will allow state legislatures to vote on abortion, which was the norm for the previous 180 years, which they will do so both pro and con in the past and now carrying out the will of the men and women who vote for them. This is an attack on democracy and women have no say. This was four men and one woman. Yes. This is four men and one woman. And if I, and if I may, and if I may, if I may, it is an attack on democracy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because of these five people. Okay. Uh, Three of them were appointed by a man the majority of Americans voted against. The one who wrote the majority, the one who wrote the majority opinion, was appointed by a man the majority of Americans voted against. And the fifth, Clarence Thomas, was appointed by a man who opposed the 1964 Civil Rights Act. So yeah, uh, it's four men, and and we have a justice that's going to be appointed by a president who once absolutely opposed abortion. Um, Again, what does any of that mean? Right, but Joe Biden has... Well, I would say, Joe Biden... Listen, there's old white guys who have evolved Mm -hmm. and old white guys who haven't. Joe Biden's evolved on a lot of things. I personally probably could not have voted for Joe Biden if he was the Joe Biden of the 1970s. The man he is now, uh, I was impressed, and I voted for him. He wasn't my top choice. He wasn't my top three choice. But yeah, my opinion on abortion is, uh, my opinion doesn't matter on abortion. It's between a woman, her doctor, and God. And men have made these rules for a long time. And there were no women in the room when the Constitution was written. No women signed it. Women were not taken into consideration in one bit when it was written. They weren't considered people. They couldn't vote. They couldn't hold office. Uh, You know, it's going to look really embarrassing to future generations that we were still fighting over this so much. Because men should not have a say in this. I... I'm sorry, no, no. Go ahead. The unborn are human beings. And okay. I, well, some of your callers may disagree. I am okay. a human being. And you therefore, I, you are I a human being. And I'm, and I'm not, I, I'm not your, right. And I'm not your enemy. And voice an opinion. Okay. I know that, John. But, but are I you saying this? But, but, but you're. Okay, but Stephen, are you saying this based on, on uh, Christianity? That informs it, but actually, let me let me ask a more philosophical mm. question. Well, no, no, let me follow up Can, because the Bible the Bible is not against abortion. Christ was against the death penalty. I, I am assuming you oppose capital punishment, right? So, uh, yes, I do. But right on. At least you're capital consistent. punishment is only only against government capital punishment, effectively. If it's well, done Christ, by a person. Christ was I against mean, all forms on. of capital punishment. Christ was against, uh, he stopped an execution that was being carried out on religious grounds. Oh, yes. Yeah. Quite sure. Yeah. And, I, and, and the I, Bible, I you know, to, God, you God, know makes it, God makes it clear in Exodus. You know, God makes it clear in Exodus that I'm, a fetus is property. You know, and, and again, I'm less informed on the religious side. You know, I, I kind of okay. call myself a 
cafeteria Christian. Can, well, all know. of us are. All of us are, and you have the you have the. I give you credit for admitting it. There's there's is. an important there's an important there's an important aspect of Stephen's argument that he's almost willfully ignoring. Be nice. And it's this this with respect to states' rights and saying that this is bouncing back to these legislatures who are reflecting the will of the people. That's not true, and you know that's not true because this goes hand in hand with a decades-long strategy, long ignored by the Democrats. They just kind of let it happen underneath their nose of of taking over state legislatures and putting, passing these weird laws and gerrymandering these districts for decades in these states. Uh, where where ab- the opinion of, of abortion, the will of the people, is not the way the majority of these legislatures vote. It's it's split almost every time in favor of allowing abortion in most or all cases, especially yeah. in states like Texas, where it's 70 percent of the people. And again, I'll, Get- I'll go even simpler than that. Seventy seven percent of Americans support women having the right to terminate a pregnancy in all mm-hmm. or some cases. So I Oklahoma, 58 you know, percent. South Dakota, the majority 51%. of people want it. The majority don't. I- Vote, but the majority want it. Let me let me ask you another question. Would you would you support answered as to whether the majority of the people believe that this should be brought back, regardless of the circumstances, this should be brought back under state legislatures? I don't see any poll actually asking that specific question. Right, and I'm saying and I'm saying that but but if you end up getting a majority voting. The same way, saying both different ways. I mean, you know, what are you expected to believe? But so, but we're talking I, about I, putting I women in jail. We're we're, ta- we're we're talking about putting women in jail. Okay, that's just that's what we're talking about. Now, now, should the government be able to force you to be an organ donor? Should the, if, if it's going to save somebody's life, if someone's going to die because you're not going to donate bone marrow, can the government coerce you to give your bone marrow and give your organs to someone else to save their life? No, but it's not the same thing. It is the same thing. Because it is the same no, thing. I'm yeah, not, I'm afraid it is because I'm not what it's growing another human being, regardless of you know. And, right, and, but it's the I same think, thing. If you're saying it's a human life, if you're saying this argument, if you're saying that the state, that you're saying the state has the power of their heart that realizes that what is done in order to perform an abortion is absolutely horrific. I'm not saying it's nice. I'm not. I'm saying that it's not up to you and me. And a first trimester abortion or an abortion that can be done by a pill in the first trimester is extremely different than a third trimester abortion, which virtually never happens. And you know that it virtually never happens. Now, should the government be should the government be allowed? Hey, hey, should the government be allowed to force all men to have vasectomies at age 14 and then have them reversed for free when they want to have a baby. Should the government have the power over male bodies like that to prevent abortion? Uh, I think it would make more sense to require all girls to have their tubes tied. I mean, after all, there's one. Right. I see the pattern with respect, Stephen. Stephen, the pattern I'm seeing is it's okay for the state. It's okay for the state to impose its will on female bodies, not on your body and not on male bodies. We got to hit a break, Stephen. I'm sorry. I enjoyed the conversation, but we got to hit a break. Call back. We'll have another civil debate on this anytime. Thank you very much. See, it's not hard to be nice. I'm not civil. Women hating monsters like Steven. Steven.